Hello and welcome to Mind Ki Baat where we discuss the part that really matters your mind or specifically mental health I am Shardul Katyayan your host ADHD is something you grow out of I took medication when I was a kid everyone said I would outgrow it so I stopped taking the medication in college You can't have ADHD you seem fine I'm a failure I can't remember to do homework I lose things I can't get anything right. ADHD isn't real. It's something they made up. I hate feeling like I'm different, but I really am. Work seems like it's easy for everyone else. ADHD is just a behavioral issue. I hate math. It's so boring. I know I'm bad at it, even though my teacher says I'm not. From this episode, we are going to dwell into conditions which leave a lasting impact on people's lives, sometimes to an extent that they become part of their identities. Therefore, I must say at the very outset that if you think we missed out on any aspect of the condition know that it was not deliberate one episode or one conversation is simply not enough to cover these life altering conditions how do i define adhd in simple terms let me use a tweet from avresco on twitter adhd is being a perfectionist without the capability of motivating yourself to achieve said perfection So you are constantly in this state of paralyzing anxiety and self-doubt all the while feeling worse about it every passing minute does that make sense Today we'll discuss one of the two lifelong mental health problems I was diagnosed with and along with me I think 6 nearly 6% of the population of the world does ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or shall i say the bane of my life but before i introduce our guest some facts adhd presents itself in many ways while the name and the disease itself shows that it's related to hyperactivity because the word hyperactivity is sort of a misnomer and people who grew up with adhd especially undiagnosed with adhd will not show hyperactivity and generally Uh, according to cdc stats average age of adhd diagnosis is 7 and symptoms typically start to appear somewhere between 3 to 6 years but enough about stats and we'll discuss about the disease in detail the two guests i have with me are one is my colleague and one is a clinician who's dealt with it for over two decades so our first guest is dr amit sen dr sen is co-founder of children first and has been practicing child psychiatry for over 30 years children first is an organization which provides child and adolescent mental health services to those who need them and interestingly he believes he has adhd i read on your bio dr sen and welcome to news laundry thank you you believe you have adhd does that mean you haven't been diagnosed with it or because yes uh, if i can respond to that Shabu, yeah yeah sure yes uh, i have not been formally diagnosed with it i haven't gone for a formal assessment mm-hmm. uh, so my discovery about my own challenges with my attention time management organizational skills became uh, clear to me when i started working with young people with adhd and that's when i began to realize that some of the difficulties i'd had all through my school years and college years especially with academics and and many other things of life mm-hmm. uh, you know that that uh, uh, they were indeed because i was wired in a certain way and i still continue to you know carry some of those traits uh, although i believe that adhd is, is not all problems there are many other things that you carry with you when you have adhd and perhaps we can discuss it today that it's not all about 
an illness or a condition or a disorder but uh, i believe that adhd is a uh, is a kind of wiring it's a way of being uh, and and people with adhd often thrive and do yes yes actually uh, in in certain circumstances yes so, uh, but so, they, they can also go through challenges in certain others yeah. and perhaps today so, is a good forum to talk about it all yes so we'll get in get into that into detail later my second guest is as i said my colleague uh, gurmeher kaur gurmeher works with us in many capacities in production and as a reporter too she has i think done first of her many reports recently yeah it's very exciting and, and before that um, she went to oxford so she is the highbrow one and <laughs> and i i believe you've written one or two books two <laughs> two books so hello gurmeher hi shardul so nice to meet you and hello dr sen so nice to meet you again yet again hi hi gurmeher yes so before before uh, so before yeah. our you know listeners get confused let me be upfront one this is going to be one of the unique episodes where all three of us are adhd ers adhd ers like all three of us have adhd and dr sen i just found out when we started the recording is gurmeher's a uh, psychiatrist Yeah, Dr. Sen is my doctor and he diagnosed me with ADHD. You know right when he said hi bra Oxford. He knows how much I was struggling in Oxford because of my ADHD and with my dissertation and the amount of like mental back and forth it took to to go through my uh trials for the medication for the first time. Oh, no, But I, yeah. I was just pulling your leg. Like it, it's good you went to Oxford like. Yeah. Yes, I do remember. <laughs> so, you might have already seen that we have a sort of a variation if you can detect it so adhd brings on a specific set of problems which are generally identified as not being able to follow through and i am not using the you know medical terms or terms you'll find it i'm telling you from my own experience and the people i've interacted with post my diagnosis if we have many many drives and interests and we think we can do anything people with adhd but they're not able to follow through especially people who have unmanaged adhd and as the age progresses you'll see that the interests or diversity of interests may increase but not being able to follow through in life create specific set of problems which sometimes hampers you know interpersonal relationships and we'll get into that and it of course and almost inevitably hampers professional performance in fact i found a number which was really interesting that according to uh, canada health uh, authorities canada lo- annually loses 6 to 10 billion dollars in productivity because of unmanaged and undiagnosed adhd so it can tell you that people who can do regular stuff but they just don't because of this problem but let me start with the conversation so gurmeher yes let me ask you this first when were you diagnosed with adhd you just told us that uh, when you were in the process of going yeah. to oxford but tell us a bit more about that and also tell us that before diagnosis and post diagnosis what did you feel so i i mean i've been with i mean just to be upfront i've been with dr sen um since I, since 2017 i believe doctor mm-hmm. and we've been and i've been working with him and his team at children first uh, ever since then how old were you in 2017 and uh, at what age you were diagnosed i was 20 no i i wasn't diagnosed immediately with adhd mm-hmm. I, and it's been and that's the thing with adhd i i believe and i i think dr sen can allude to it more uh, and in more detail but 
but I was diagnosed with e- with uh, general anxiety disorder, which is mm-hmm. a sort of sim- not not a symptom but a byproduct of ADHD yes. um, for many years. But it wasn't until I was in Oxford that I sent like panic messages to um, Dr. Shelzas and Dr. Amasan's wife, who mm-hmm. I who I know and who had been uh, who I had worked with initially previously. That I wasn't, you know, that I think there's something more than anxiety here. And this was right during, I think, around the time, around August 2020, when I was um, in the process of writing my dissertation. But to be mm-hmm. fair, it's also, I think there was a lot of stress of COVID because I was writing a dissertation in without libraries in a single room in a completely different country. And there were a lot of other stresses. But I think that's when I reached out for help. Um, and because I reached out for help, we did come, we did find out, we, we did you know, find out eventually that it is ADHD, especially given the the patterns that I had shown, mm-hmm. um, you know, prior to 2020, ever since 2017. So, yeah. So if you're okay with it, I mean, if you're okay to discuss, what were those patterns? If Can you discuss in detail for our listeners? Because as a host, I, I shouldn't bring myself into it too much. But those patterns are generally diagnosed as the especially in india where the, the the level of awareness is abysmal about this mm. is this is lazy guy yeah this person is quite lazy or this person is you know quite smart energetic but doesn't follow through yeah i think it was very much the area of quite smart and energetic um because mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily not necessarily lazy i think what i've always been the the, the term that schools had used for me was careless Mm-hmm. You know, has quote unquote has so much potential, but only if she was responsible enough, only yes. if she paid more attention. Um, but 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 I did, but I did what I and I and I think I only found out about my ADHD much later because I was almost um, through by changing my environment, uh, managing it as a child. I ne- I stopped going to school after sixth grade. I was I went to a tennis academy, mm-hmm. um, and ever since then I'd never been in a institute ever since grade six. <sighs> I had never been in an institutionalized system mm-hmm. at all, so I think that was something that really did. Um, so that that may have that, you that know, helped, helped you. and that that helped in a way it also masked. So I think yes. it helped and masked the ADHD, and it only came to it only and I only addressed it as an as a problem later when I was in the UK and I was really struggling with multiple things and I was just like, oh my god, I think there is something fundamentally wrong with me because no matter how many books on focus and how many books on discipline and how many books on you know how many self-help books I read how many journals I buy how many attempts at organizing my life that I do with like sheer effort and will it just doesn't work out there's something really wrong and I think that's when I that's when I found but I think those would be like some of the symptoms but you know also some other symptoms I remember from my school days um, forgetting, forgetting notebooks, bringing all the books to the school instead of just the ones um, with the classes that were yes. during. It was some things like that, very tiny things. Yeah. So let's uh, bring Dr. Sen uh, into the diagnosis part. Dr. Sen, as uh, Gurmeher said, she had the benefit or by chance, like by happenstance, she was educated in her school years in a non-institutionalized way. Not many of us go through that. So that may have helped her mask it. But you've been dealing with uh, kids uh, for like 30 years. What are the most common symptoms you see? And how do, uh, is there a way, I mean, is there a number of variations in the ways uh, children present ADHD? Uh, Yes, indeed. Uh, There are so many variations and permutations and combinations yes. of 
uh, traits and characters that you see. In fact, we see that if you have seen one child with ADHD, you have seen one child with ADHD. Yeah. And they're so different one from the other. So uh, if, if you look at the, you know, books and the diagnostic criteria, they say there are three distinct varieties. The most yes. common one is the combined one, which yes. has features of inattention. Uh, and we can talk a little bit about that. And uh, or attention difficulties, and this, uh, and it has a combination of that and hyperactivity plus impulsivity. So it combines all these things. But there are a large number of, uh, perhaps a, a significant minority of people who may not have the hyperactivity but still have the inattention. Right. So, Doctor Sen, uh, before we before you go ahead, I'm, I apologize for interrupting you. For the benefit of our listeners, let me give them three major types of ADHD. So one is, as he said, hyperactive impulsive, where child or the person who has ADHD presents a lot of hyperactivity. The other one is inattentive. They will be categorized more often than not as daydreamers. Like I believe the word that was used was, they live in their own world. They don't care about anybody else. And the third one is combined, where the the child or the person presents both the symptoms and has an array of symptoms from both types of ADHDs. Am I correct, yeah. Dr. Sen? Absolutely. Absolutely right. You, you, you've got it absolutely right. So, you know, in, in terms of diagnostic categories, that's true. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the, you know, presentations, uh, you get, um, you know, different doses of these uh, characteristics in each person, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, uh, as we said, the permutation and combinations can be so varied that if you've seen one person with ADHD, that's all you've seen, right? And also the fact that the trajectory of ADHD, the way it develops, also keeps changing with age, right? Yes. So again, typically a child who has a combined type of ADHD when they're younger, might by the time uh, they are teenagers or young adults, they would have stopped being hyperactive. In fact, many of those you know, sort of uh, in the late teen years or in early adulthood, people then are um, labeled as being, uh, oh, they're so lazy and they won't get up from their seat and they're constantly ordering people around for any small thing that they need, etc. Mm-hmm. So the hyperactivity actually has gone down. However, the inattention and the uh, complications from it or the manifestations of inattention have become much more complex by then. Yes. Because, you know, by the time uh, people become uh, come to high school or they've gone to college, then it's not just, just about focusing on something or getting distracted, but it's about, let's say, time management or organizational skills or initiating tasks or planning and implementing the plan. And just as you said, uh, to stick to an activity over a period of time or being yes. consistent with what you want to do, all those things become important. Because unless you do that, you cannot cope up with the curriculum or the rigor of, let's say, high school or, a, or or college life. In fact, in college life, when children with ADHD leave home, who might have got scaffolded and supported in their school days by family, by by school even, by the structure of school, they find themselves at a loose end because not only do they have to independently, you know, deal with their academics, with organizing it, managing their time and everything, but they also have to deal with their lives, whether it's yes. their food, their laundry, about, you know, uh, waking up in the morning and uh, starting the day, all of that then begins to impact them, right? So from a, you know, let's say a child who's five, six or seven years old, who is, you know, is fidgety, hyperactive, cannot sit still, perhaps is still doing reasonably well in academics, because a lot of the times kids with ADHD are quite bright, and they're very capable, they learn very quickly, most of the time. And, And these kids don't do so badly often in primary school. But come to middle school and when the pressure on 
again, you know, being consistent with work, with the bulk of work that they have to actually uh, cope with or or memorize or reproduce in tests and exams, that those yardsticks keep changing, you know. So so the bar keeps getting higher and higher. Yeah. So what so what happens is, I believe, if I understood you correctly, and this this is one of the things I found discussed so many times in personal accounts and accounts of people like you who have dealt with it. And Gurmeer, I I would like to bring you into this too, that children who were bright, quote unquote bright, like there is no you know accurate system to categorize anyone as bright, but children who were relatively smarter than their peers or relatively smarter than average person were able to slog through the initial years of education. But like life, higher education and just when you grow up, you need to consistently do things. You cannot do them in one or two spurts. And that starts to create a problem. So when your problems start to rise up, Gurmayar, was this one of the factors or something else? Um, I think one, I don't think there was ever a moment where like the problem started to rise up uh, mm. because it was always there. It was never that I, I had always been, been this person who had been very, quote unquote, careless, who wasn't mm-hmm. very good with organizing, you know, who scored, who I scored terrible grades because I just didn't know there was a test. But like, had I known there was a test, I'd do it brilliantly. Okay. But I just didn't know what date, you know, how to manage a calendar, etc. in school. Yes. Um, but I think when I did, when these, but I think, when the problem did get overwhelming was, you know, just like Dr. Sen said, as a child, you do have many support systems. Mm -hmm. uh, But the moment you become an adult, laundry becomes overwhelming. You know, food becomes overwhelming. In fact, one of our first chats that we did have was quite literally just this, where I was telling Dr. Sen um, that I always get late for buses. I don't know how Mm -hmm. to reach from one place to another. I don't know. My laundry keeps piling up. And it just feels like my entire life is out of control. However, I think when it comes down to being able to do work, there was something also that I I feel that should be spoken about ADHD, which is something that I have now piggybacked on, which I think is my perfect strength. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like ADHD comes to be this like horrible thing. Everyone, everything is bad, but it comes with this thing called hyperfocus, you know, which is the reason I've been able to do anything that I've been able to do. If I enjoy something, Mm -hmm. that almost magical ADHD hyperfocus just kicks in and then you just can't stop working for, for, you know, for days, then the night is the night and the days like melt into each other, which of course we've seen with. Uh, but yeah. yeah, but if it's boring, then there's no power in like on earth, in heaven or hell that can make me do it. So so, uh, so <laughs> I'll come to hyperfocus because this this can also be misleading. But but you also addressed an important point which Doctor Sain also brought up, and which is imperative executive functioning. Like Gurmeer talked about laundry and managing your life, and Doctor Sain said that so many things you need to do as an adult. Now, the problem with ADHD comes, especially in later part of parts of life, when you start to grow up, is it affects your executive functioning. And for the people who don't know about it, executive functioning is you the stuff basically you do every day to manage your life around you, be it laundry, like you might have hobbies, you might have specific things you do, like some people like to take a walk in the morning. Some people like to do a bit of gardening. Some people like to do a bit of cleaning. But people with ADHD largely struggle with it. And they struggle with it to such a level that unless there is a sword hanging over their heads, <laughs> they will not do those things. 
and when you grow up and i i am you know dedicatedly or you know, deliberately moving towards a bit of later part of life post 20s because this is when it starts to really show up and we have no stats to recognize that how many kids l- were left undiagnosed and categorized as people who were you know good at something but were lazy and they just fell through the cracks so and before i give any other example dr sen the patients you have treated with adhd and you are treating how many of them struggle with executive functioning and is there actually a way to address it in a fixable manner or is it just an ongoing process so the struggle with executive skill is the core of adhd so i mean again it doesn't uh, it's not so important perhaps when children are younger yes, because yes. a large part of their lives are taken care of by other people yeah, other parents. caregivers isn't it yeah? uh so so at that time when the kids are young as i said a hyperactive kid who's being who's doing reasonably well in school and who's you know um uh, bouncing off the walls playing a lot of sport uh, enjoys outdoor activities may not seem to be a problem as such yes. till the time they come to middle or um senior school and and sometimes even college you know the very very bright uh, young people such as gurmeher for instance who never get detected to have adhd when they're in school because you know with a bit of um, um 11th hour last minute work a bit of support and yes. scaffolding from the systems around them they sail through and they do very well i mean she landed up in oxford but uh, i think gurmeher's struggles began then when she had to live independently yes. and do all of those things including the very exacting curriculum of oxford on her own that's when the struggles began isn't it yeah. so but the executive skill difficulties were always there it didn't show up it didn't become a difficulty or a disability at that stage mm-hmm. so the executive skill challenges are always there but the way it shows up depends on the environment the kind of things children choose to do like there are some kids who very early take on uh, uh, let's say a career in sports or music or or any other you know creative endeavor and they may not actually struggle so much as the other kids do however having said that i must say that even in those spaces when it comes to the bits it's about let's say um you know in in sport it's not just about going and practicing and playing tournaments but it's also about how to you know sort of look after your kid to make sure that you reach the practice time and you know practice place and yes. time uh, all of that so some of those things begin to kind of wobble when they have to become more and more independent so uh, and they need the support however having said that once a person with adhd uh, they find their niche when they get an activity where they can become hyper focused then life becomes much smoother then it becomes exciting then it becomes rewarding for them and then they begin to taste success more and more and, and yeah. a large part of uh, the struggle that people with adhd go through uh, is to do with succeeding isn't it because so many different little things make them feel that they're not succeeding they're not good enough they're failing people they're failing themselves isn't it and and when they get an activity or a profession or a course that they want to do which excites them then a lot of things begin to fall into place and that's why i often have maintained that when we you know sort of help a young person with adhd one of the key things is to figure out what their passion is what their interests are where are the strengths in a, in 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 that young person uh, and and how to help them and help the others around them to support them to channelize their energies in those directions as you said that 
even if a person finds their niche and it be, life becomes easier for them but i want to emphasize on the part easier it never becomes normal because generally and i've seen it with neurotypicals in my own personal and other people's conversations they think that is just a you know a symptom which can be which will go away with a bit of treatment and therapy and by executive functioning and for people and, and just to underline the fact it means that doing everything every day which neurotypicals i would say take for granted that it it becomes sometimes at least and for some people it becomes a like something which is weighing you down every day like you can only do that much either you can do it on professional side on personal side and you just run out of the energy uh, we haven't brought uh, the brain aspect of it and i want to focus on it before we go to hyper focus because those things are linked so as i read and i have like zero clinical knowledge but when i was diagnosed i read through it that adhd specifically uh, is about your dopamine receptors in your brain and a person with adhd absorbs a, a fifth of dopamine than a normal person so to feel excited like a normal person and dopamine is everything the satisfaction you feel while doing anything be it watching a movie being you know just washing your car and you know loving your car some people love their cars and bikes and some people love their pcs some people love their clothes so small activities you do just because you like them that liking part comes from dopamine and people with adhd struggle to get that feel so they are jonesing for it they are always on the lookout for it which brings very common symptoms you know when they find that hook like doctor said the things they like they forget almost everything else around them which is hyper focus you get focused on the task but there is a detriment to it like it's a downward hill you get that high of dopamine high you get fixated on the stuff and if it's a professional task or or a personal task which has to be completed and done away with it's fine but if it's just an activity which you found because you were jonesing for that satisfaction you wanted to feel something then you get sidetracked and one of the most common symptoms with a people with adhd is you know like gurmeer said misplacing or losing items you know and forgetting routine tasks getting sidetracked is one of those you know attention span you know decreases heavily you are hyper focused you keep doing that task like i'll give you personal example i will not shy away from it so gaming is something i love and if i find a game i need to complete it i need to 100% it i will not care what happens in the world and i will make space for it but it brings its own problems especially in later part of life like you have personal obligations you have stuff to do every day at house you have professional obligations and even if you are able to manage it it incurs a cost in your life so with that you know adhd monologue gurmeher have you encountered things like this 100% i think for how sure. if you can give to our listeners an example like i gave from gaming but and i want it i want this to come from you because one women don't get diagnosed that easily mm-hmm. although adhd is you know a taboo and not many people know about it still men get diagnosed much easily than mm-hmm. women so give us something you faced and then we'll go to the clinical side with dr sen i think something that i faced 
there's so many things because I think it's never like I feel like it's one of those things about that people even talk about trauma what's that one thing that you face that was difficult but I think it's always AD, with ADHD it's the everyday small things that we spoke about but I also Shardal I do want to talk about this thing you said about um, what is normal right and wanting to fit into the normal however I do think you know once however I do think that there is you know one there is the way that we can think about ADHD as something that we have to suffer from or we can also think about ADHD and being neurotypical as something that we live with and that we that we no no we were discussing about specific problems you face or interest you have had due to hyper focus you know you brought in hyper focus right this something you like you will complete it Mm-hmm. but have you noticed that that hyper focus also hampers things around you because it it can be a problem and i've heard from heard it from many people that once they get fixated on the task yeah they are reprimanded by people around them by their friends or their wives or husbands and sometimes mm-hmm. children too that they aap kuch karne lagti ho main bhool hi jati ho yeah i think for me <laughs> it's definitely i think i think it's more in personal life because i've been very fortunate and i think those are i've been very fortunate as a as a child i was in a tennis school where i was hyper focused on tennis hmm. where all my hyperactivity went on which is what helped masking and then when i did choose um what subject i was going to do in college it was english and it was reading and writing mm-hmm. um and you know those are things that i was actually interested in so i did get a lot of dopamine from working on my assignments because i truly enjoyed literature um however i think when it comes to so in terms of professional life I've not faced hyper focus as being something that's pulled me back and I think it's also and it's not because I've always been lucky in these sense but but it's because I've almost gravitated towards things where I found success and I've only found success because I've enjoyed them um which hmm. is I mean before I came to news laundry I was in a political consultancy and it was something that just wasn't working for me I couldn't do the 9 to 5 it was something I was not interested in I wanted to be in podcast and reporting and writing and that's the choice that i made because um i quite enjoyed it however in personal life now when i get the the problem with me with hyper focus focus is that when i'm in focused on one task i cannot for the life of me remember to reply to emails reply <laughs> to messages yes. um you know give phone calls paying bills you know and, i think paying and, bills is yeah, one of my biggest one i forget paying bills which normal people do like yeah. i want to underline this like neurotypicals and normal people do this easily yeah and so it's almost alien to them like why can't you do this yeah yeah go on please no for sure i think b- paying bills i forget to i still get phone phone calls from vodafone every morning at 10:30 <laughs> from the system being like hey you haven't paid the bill don't say it on record no it's true though it's true <laughs> but that's a funny thing right it's just it's a everyday bill i have the money i just have to go on like google pay i just have to pay it but it just i just keep delaying it so i think for me it's always when i get hyper focused on things that i'm enjoying i'll just think okay electricity bill i'll pay to tomorrow and the tomorrow becomes the day after today after yeah, the, and so the, i think for the, me it's the bill that the last date keeps... is quite far away yeah, we'll yeah. do it so, later yeah for me for me i think it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely those things that get annoyed uh, that get um, that get left you know left yeah, behind yeah. replying to ignored. emails yeah maybe like let let me i mean shardul you keep saying that you're just like hey you forgot to message me you forgot to inform me shardul i just don't enjoy sending messages is what i'm saying neither do I. <laughs> but so let me let me let me act like a uncle that i am <laughs> and i'm practically mentally i admit it openly a octogenarian so maybe because the, she still has to catch up in age <laughs> so she hasn't faced those things so dr sen you uh, have dealt with patients with adhd and I have two pronged question about this about hyperfocus one children 
manage it well and like you said children because they are not in control of their lives they live their lives as their parents you know provide them but even then when children are diagnosed post diagnosis how does one you know address this hyper focus and the second part of this question is about adults adults who were left undiagnosed what do you see in them as the biggest problem so uh, again i don't see the hyper focus as a problem in fact that's one of the assets uh, people with adhd have mm-hmm. uh, no doubt it interferes with the other mundane activities which uh, even without the hyper hyper focus people with adhd struggle with yes. so the hyper focus is is one that comes to the rescue isn't it yeah Uh, and and it's true that once you become hyper focused in one activity people with adhd forget uh, to do many of the other mundane stuff which would have got gotten forgotten in any you know which which would have forgotten in any case i think you know so uh, yeah so that that's one part of it uh, the other part is yeah so there are two three things that i i i wanted to uh, okay. mention here which might make sense to people who have lived it or other people who might have observed it one is that um, consistency is one of the biggest things biggest challenges that uh, people with adhd have even in activities of interest sometimes yes so it, they fare better in those but when it comes to other mundane the regular stuff of of you know carrying on with life and doing the the daily chores and paying bills and um, answering messages etc they really really struggle so we one thing we say about people with adhd is they're consistently inconsistent yes right and the other thing that we talk about is this time thing that you just mentioned referred to is that if if something is um a crisis or staring them at the face or they hyper focused on then they complete it right but if they do not and if, if they postpone it by a day then it become becomes forever so for time for people with adhd is now or not now yes so if if it is not now it's it's gone to infinity isn't it and, and it, it they'll get reminded of it only when the next crisis happens or when somebody really shouts it out into their ears and tells them you haven't done this you know for 10 days you just have to get down and do it it's then that it happens to them oh, oh okay i missed out on it right so these two things are important to understand about consistency and time awareness and what it means to them what what does time mean to uh, people with adhd now now coming to adults now by the time people come to adulthood and if they have got Uh, you know haven't gotten the their diagnosis and they didn't get any intervention support understanding help when they were younger things have already become complicated so they might have developed by the time secondary anxiety depression very low self esteem they might have given into substances because the distress that you get into you know when you are living life like that and getting reprimanded by people admonished criticized looked down upon dismissed it's a very hard place to be and when you live life like that as an adult or by the time you're an adult you've already encountered a lot of a lot of small traumas and rejections or even neglect from people and that then gives rise to com- complications from a mental health point of view so one can you know range from like i said anxiety depression trauma uh, substance misuse eating disorders so people uh, adults with um, adhd might end up looking like something very different by the time we meet them in adults like and an, that's why it's like an unfolding time, tragedy yeah most of the time when uh, we uh, encounter or we see people as adults and we realize they have they, they usually come with another diagnosis they come with borderline personality disorder substance misuse bipolar disorder depression all kinds of disorders, but not adhd 
and depression of course but not ADHD yeah so that's that's something that uh, yeah yeah so uh, as i was like this is a podcast so people won't see but like i have looking at my screen when dr sain was saying this and s- smiling like it's it's like like witnessing an unfolding tragedy um before you go dr sain you mentioned many things which come with it so uh, like you mentioned many other problems according to cdc because there were no specific stats about india adhd related related stats about india 64% of children with ADHD had some kind of emotional or behavioral problem like 52% had major behavioral conduct problems it said 33% had anxiety disorder of some kind 17 to 20% depression 14% also were on the autism spectrum and 1% had Tourette syndrome 1% of patients also showed Tourette syndrome so when these problems and i know personally about autism they come coupled with ADHD doesn't it sort of complicates even the diagnosis and the management of ADHD in everyday life and as a clinician for you oh yes absolutely i mean again each condition that you mention have um, a very different one from the other right uh, i have a particular problem with the conduct disorder uh, bit mm-hmm. because uh, i mean uh, when we say conduct disorder what are we saying essentially yes. that your child is badly behaved <laughs> but that's why they come to you right in the first place they're, they're coming and saying you know what my ch- child behaves very badly and we're turning around and giving them some technical terms and saying yes your child is really behaving very badly i mean we are no wiser we are we are in no position to help it seems like an umbrella term the... <laughs> sorry it seems like an umbrella term for many many things oh absolutely absolutely and it's completely redundant and i think it's damaging yeah. to uh, because it places the problem within the child it says that oh the child is behaving badly so let's fix him rather than saying that or seeing that the child has not been attended to properly people are not sensitive to this child's different uh, you know different uh, emotional or uh, neurological needs we like right our academic needs they haven't been able to look into that they haven't been able to understand it and when kids with um, whether it is with ADHD or autism when they are not understood and when they're treated um, in harsh critical and um, uh, and exacting ways that's when they begin to behave badly they have to because you know they they're protecting themselves at that time and when they do that we call it conduct disorder now how unfair is that to children or or young people isn't it yeah so i have a problem with conduct disorder so let's put it aside and i think it's a, it's a uh, it's a waste bin diagnosis yeah. you know <laughs> but the rest of it indeed um, uh, causes many other kind of complications if a, a child has autism or is it on the autism spectrum alongside ADHD then we have to definitely consider that and the approach to treatment to the kind of things that concern us the kind of skills that we would like to help the child with through therapy etc or the kind of schooling and education that we're looking at uh, begins to change quite a lot yeah and similarly with tourette syndrome it can again be very discomforting not only for the young person but also for people around them because yes. tourette syndrome can uh be uh very on your face in terms of yes. symptoms and sometimes especially when they have these vocal tics and sometimes these vocal tics are of uh, very sharp loud uh, abusive words and and it shocks people you know in social spaces and families etc and to to be able to handle that in a in the in a systemic way in a in a manner where we are addressing the you know the anxieties the worries the concerns of everybody around the child also needs to be taken care of so i mean in adhd too but then the you know goal posts and the yardsticks change yeah a lot of people 
who have ADHD in support groups, which I found, struggle to, you know, get the medication they need. And a lot of people complain about that the medical stores don't carry them or the government. Sometimes the government part is such a big hindrance that they don't specifically get the medicine. Even they know, their clinicians know that they need, but it's not allowed in India. So can you enlighten our listeners about this? So see, the uh, mainstay of medication, and many, uh, we have to also, perhaps I, I need to mention that medication is one part of the treatment yes. or, or the management. Yes, and of course. Med- medication alone often does not work. It may yeah. work for a you know few weeks, uh, uh, you know, a few months, and then it stops working if we do not address the other needs of the child and particularly the systems, the family, the education, etc. around him yes. or her. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, uh, it, it is also true that out of all the psychostimulants, which are the mainstay of hmm. uh, ADHD treatment, as far as medication is concerned, uh, only one is available in India. So yes. different variants of methylphenidate uh, is available. And that too, the supply and the number of stores is available in is very limited. Yes. So in India, it becomes a struggle for many people. And I believe it's right? highly it's controlled, right? Very, very controlled indeed, which is with good reason which, yeah, because yeah. It, it has abuse potential. Yeah, so. Yeah. Fair enough. If they want to control it, that's fine as long as it's available consistently and probably in a wider way so that people can access it rather than have to, you know, go from one small town to another to a big city to to yes. to, to get their medicines if they, if if they've been prescribed it. Uh, but the other bit is that many of the other very um, effective psychostimulants are banned in India, and yes. they've been banned for decades now, and and that puts our population. Uh, at a great disadvantage. And I want to put it across here that, and I think, I hope people who are concerned with this and can make a difference are listening, uh, that uh, this needs to change because it's so unfair for the population. And and there are millions of people with ADHD, both children and, and adults, and as I, you yeah. said, Sarkulia. So, uh, and, and, and for them to bank only on that one sort, yeah. as as far as medication is concerned, is, is completely unfair. Uh, whereas the rest of the world has access to so many others. Yeah, there are three, four more that are very effective indeed. And if one doesn't work, we are stuck with it. Yeah. Yeah. We cannot. You, you were saying good. I mean, I was saying the same thing. I think uh, Dr. Sen and I have had multiple conversations how, um, you know, Ritalin just doesn't work for me and it's the only one. Um, and it's the only medicine that's available. available. In fact, but when I was in the UK, um, I was on a different medicine which worked almost like magic. It was like <laughs> yes. it was it, it it made my life so much simpler. And I think it and I think Dr. Sen is so and I just want to add to it because what he said in terms of data, in terms of um, and with like a with with a with the psych with a psychiatrist doctor's point of view, as a patient's point of view, someone who's struggling, someone who it's does maddening. not respond, it's a, yeah, someone who does not respond well to Ritalin, it is absolutely maddening. I have I know the way I take care of my ADHD is by doing seven things to make sure I'm able to do the eight hours I can put into work. Yes. I have to spend twelve hours to make sure I'm prepared for it. But had I had a medicine that worked, the salt that worked for me, it would be so much more easier. And I think it's definitely something that people. Um, need to have a conversation about um, in terms of why there are no yeah. no drugs available for ADHD. So I asked him about the veins of hyperfocus we discussed. So medication thing you already alluded to. But tell us, you found the medication when you went to UK. Yeah. But as you said, in India, it's a problem. Tell us how you, you know, manage. Like, because the medi- if medicine is not available in India, it's not available in India. Yeah. 
I think, I mean, I can only talk about myself because I can't mm-hmm. talk about how other people manage their ADHD symptoms without medicine. And mm-hmm. I and I speak that for you too. I think, Shadul, you may manage it differently and yes. I may manage it very differently. Um, but I think the way I manage it I, is that I, you know, like doctor, and to be fair, I've been very fortunate that it was Dr. Sen who diagnosed me. And it was him who sort of almost changed the way I looked at ADHD, not as a, not as this problem or not as this thing that I have, this huge burden or label in my life. But he said this, he's like, you know, you, you play with it. You know, you have fun with ADHD. You play with hyperfocus. <laughs> and, and, and he was someone who changed my outlook to it. So the way I manage ADHD without medicine and to be fair truth is i do i'm still on medicine it doesn't work very well for me um uh, it it doesn't work very well for me it gives me panic attacks um it the come down for the medicine is horrible yes. i went from a i went from concerta which was a 12 hour long release to a ritalin um which is a short instant release instant release which is instant release because because i told dr sen that i don't think i want to be on concerta for 18 hours um mm-hmm. or for 12 hours um because it d- disturbs my sleep and i said that yes. all i want to do is i want to be able to do all my work in 4 hours so so for, for, i would take that medicine for 4 hours and that's when all my work would happen so complete focus in that moment and then the rest is just free time so i allowed myself you know which i call play time so pe- people who don't know or our listeners uh, loss of sleep and loss of appetite are one of the most common symptoms of adhd medication yeah and what that medication in general does is it sort of brings up your uh, dopamine receptors in your brain so you sort of function you start suddenly feel that the noise is quite I mean, not that's not the right way to put it but the distractions you have around yeah. you you the constant distraction you feel in your head that your it's mind your mind racing from yeah. here to there it sort of calms down and it's a it's a calm breeze in the morning yeah no but it's also bad in the sense it gives you muscle pains because it's a stimulant so whenever i take uh, yes. the medicine ritalin which but it's not the most me, common one so i just wanted to underline that uh ritalin is the one that's available in india um, yeah, no, no, and no, it no. is oh is it not the I symptom the symptom is not the most common i've heard one. it's quite common i don't know maybe it's not i can't yeah. speak for other people but so i think the I'll bad tell you, uh, one is i'll tell you things people do and i'm sorry to interject like you said I have seen three things which people do commonly mm-hmm. to manage their ADHD when the medications work or they don't work or they don't get it. Like I spoke to many people who live in small towns of India and for traveling to let's say Bangalore or uh, Raipur for even just meeting their doctor was so difficult for them. They were from like Chhattisgarh, Jharkhand and parts of Karnataka and Tamil Nadu. So they said like, one, meditation helps them a lot. Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. If they, if they get to it, one, it's very difficult for them to exercise every day. But if somehow they are managed, they manage to, you know, yeah. get into an exercise routine, that helps them a lot. For sure. And the third thing was that if, if they somehow could manage their diets, like things they could yeah. manage in their diet, things they really love to eat that helped them with their focus and I had never heard of it but by now and I was again you know Hmm. going through my notes and asking people this was one of the most common ones yeah I think meditation exercise um, yeah I think meditation exercise for sure and even I do that even with medicine Um, for me meditation and exercise are part of a thing to manage my medication symptoms as well for example muscle cramps that I get because it's a stimulant which is what I was talking to before this is a prevalent symptom for you it's a prevalent symptom for me so every time I do take my medicine I get because it's a stimulant I get cramps in my back and it gives me the worst headache because my neck muscles become very tight uh, and my back becomes very tight 
and every time i take that medicine that's something that happens the come down is really bad which means i'm cranky uh, with the so the things that i do for it is that one i do meditation every morning and i do morning pages before i take my medicine which i take every day at 10am <laughs> but before that and it's true and before that um and before that i do a meditation i do things you know which are play times which are you know i do yes. things that i enjoy uh, writing and sometimes i've taken art up now meditation a bit of stretching and a bit of yoga then i take my medicine do whatever work i need to do the moment the meditation starts like the moment the meditation medication. oh sorry the moment the medication yes that's very <laughs> adhd thing to mess up words <laughs> yes. the moment the medication starts dipping and i it and i get a come down i immediately i know that evenings are my workout time and, and you feel it right be, yeah and you feel it you become cranky uh, i know that a lot of my producers have seen this in my scripts i start mixing two words up it's evening here and i'm already mixing my medication with my meditation yes. um but um and then the i and then what i do is i always do workouts in the evening because the endorphins sort of cancel out the the come down of the medicine yes. and it also puts me to sleep so i think it there are so many things you need to do to even make the medication work for you and and of course and i think one something that helps me is also calendar blocking which doesn't help a lot of other people i've heard yes um i just block chunks of time on calendars for things and and i also block times for fun because i think what a lot of adhd people feel is guilt when they are like oh no i'm not working i have this deadline i have this thing so <laughs> what, what i do to make me feel to not make me feel guilty is that i actually schedule time as work time which is for example the lta script that we were doing i have a time that is 11 to 2:30 for lta script and i'm doing nothing else in that time it's just lta script um and then i have lunch and it it's called lunch and play with small so i have a lunch hour and i play with small and i my small is my cat by the way so i play with my cat the second half of my lunch i often schedule for my recording and scripting yes. which is which i do in the studio and after that i schedule time for schedule time for workout that includes travel time because often when we say workout 7 to 8 we ignore travel time but i think as an adhd person you have to you have to see time in chunks i hate and traffic. after yeah i hate traveling and i hate the the moment the thing is if you just add into the calendar you know that this is the period you'll be out and you'll be doing one activity and all the things related to that activity and after that i give myself a huge chunk of i can do whatever so if in that moment i'm so happy cuz in my head i'm just like okay i'm going by the direction and i don't feel guilty and i think sometimes giving yourself time to not to just yourself and activities you enjoy um is also important because you don't feel that adhd or adhd as guilt of oh my god i'm not working yeah. because it's constantly so, there so when you gave us a big preview how you manage it from my experience of talking to a lot of people with it you have pretty well ma- you have a lot of things managed where people struggle to because there is one community i part of and it's india specific yeah. and there are a lot of teenagers in it and older people too i have seen people sitting there night by night listening to music for the whole night yeah. and they admit they need to do their work with their you know some people are in college some people are preparing for many other examinations they just sit and play games yeah. and listen to music for 12 to 15 hours a day and they know it's counterproductive to them but they just cannot move away so the preview you gave us of your everyday life and i do want to you know work life yeah but i i think it's in my personal opinion it's still managed you and i are maybe well managed people than other more 
I think it's I think Come I feel like we can't I feel like we can't talk about um mental health without just talking about privilege. I'm very privileged that my diagnosis was with a brilliant doctor. Uh, I'm very privileged that I get I have the ability to make these things for me to be able to afford to do a workout, to be able to afford to take time um you know to be able to afford to take time out for working out and i think those are things we have to talk about and i and i and i, and I apologize for not mentioning it before i think even being able to manage your mental health is a product of various levels of and layers of privilege which yes, you of have like, so i think just to say that i'm pretty sure that i mean i don't everybody. think yeah and i do want to say it's not a discipline situation yes. it's very <laughs> much i do have the ability to do it which is why i'm able to do it um let me mention yeah. one thing which listeners might notice and our producer i think has noticed and a lot of people generally talk about it you will find people with adhd interrupting sentences yeah it's 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 not that people with adhd we i would i should say we are disrespectful towards what you're saying it's yeah. just that that our mind races to the next thing too quickly and sometimes when it's not managed or for some reason at that particular moment it's out of control or it's it's going haywire yeah you end up interrupting the person in front of you which which sort of is considered more often than not a disrespectful thing which people with adhd don't want to do one thing i like personally you gave so many examples i have been able to thrive a bit since i came into this journalism thing because i was always a news junkie but doing everything else meant that i have to get, go home and do whatever i want to do at home but have to give 4 to 5 hours to all news from all over the world and people in family they put why it's like why do you care about this so much and i think journalism is one of the adhd conducive professions because news is always constant and forever changing Yeah. So if you have an interest in these regards be it specific part of journalism or news or content production yeah. at least it keeps changing to keep your interests going for a longer bit of time so dr sen before you leave the, the other thing i wanted to ask you know i've heard it so many times and in many ways i've seen people go through it is that people with adhd if left undiagnosed when they become adults struggle in personal relationships and sometimes the, the reasons are mundane like some people I was because I don't struggle with it and I have not met anyone who does struggle with body hygiene issues or oral hygiene issues like which are pretty common and I didn't know about it like I'll give you an example without giving out the name because that person said that like you can tell this just don't mention my name so this person it was a guy he struggled with you know body hygiene issues and <laughs> he just used to forget to take a bath and I remembered that character in that pyar ke side effects jiska mazak udate the sab in india movies like who didn't used to take a bath and his girlfriend makes fun of him and that breaks up with him and it suddenly occurred to me like he probably might be an adhd character so have you met patients like this and without divulging any personal information can you just tell our listeners who have never encountered this or yeah, are interested yeah. in learning a lot of the times a lot of the times yeah. see uh, for, and there could be many reasons to it indeed you know um daily rhythms um uh, looking after yourself whether it's health or hygiene um emotional regulation dealing with relationships and the demands of a relationship uh, again the investment in the consistency that you have to have yes. your partner will demand from you or friends might demand from you sometimes 
um, people with ADHD often struggle to live up to those, right? And they're often misunderstood because, again, the notion is, I mean, people conclude that they're doing it because they're not interested, because they're yeah. not committed enough, <laughs> because they're not invested enough, because they're not serious enough, or they're irresponsible, and so on and so forth, right? So, so they, 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 uh, there are a lot of labels that, uh, you know, stick to them. See, there are two other core things that happen with ADHD, which we haven't touched upon. One is emotional regulation and many uh, kids as well as adults with ADHD struggle with uh, emotional regulation about impulse control, about yes. how to control their temper or their sadness even. And the second thing is they're highly sensitive people and they actually get hurt, upset, disturbed, their mood starts going up and down with small things that may not matter to other people. RSD. Yeah, the, the other thing that they're sensitive to is the environment, whether yes. it's the temperature or light or sound, and they react to that in very different ways. And that can also contribute to them not wanting to have a bath at a certain time, not wanting to come under a shower because it's very discomforting and so on. Yeah. So there are many things that can contribute to some of these things, but you're right, the end result is that they end up not taking a bath or not brushing their teeth because some of these uh, kids I've seen, and even adults for that matter with ADHD, find it too, too painful to even brush their teeth because they have sensitivities which are unknown to other people, which other people cannot even fathom or understand why this is, you know. So those are kind of things that we also have to factor in. And these are neurodevelopmental, you know, um, uh, nuances that uh, that uh, uh, people with ADHD have to deal with. Gurmeher, last thing before we end our conversation. Tell us, have your friends noticed you have ADHD without you telling them or have anyone in your personal circle? Like, I'm not asking about trauma traumatizing thing, although you are more than welcome to share it. Can you give us something which is a bit on humorous side of life, shall we say, <laughs> with ADHD produces for you? I'll give you an example. Uh, Dr. Sen was mentioning that, and I think you also mentioned that people with ADHD struggle with time management. And in India, the irony is India, the more array of drugs are not available to manage it. I think India is one country which can be called ADHD country because yeah. One of the most famous sayings about India is everybody is in a hurry, but no one is on time. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> so this is an ADHD country, yeah. but it doesn't allow itself, that's so its true. patients to get medicated. But go on, please, I think if you have some been... anecdotes to share. For sure, I think there's so many, I think there are, yeah, there are many, One many anecdotes. One which our listeners, listeners would enjoy. But I, I think my ADHD, I, but the thing is, I don't think in, at least in my at least this generation of Gen Zs, I have to say this, and yeah. and late millennials, we don't we don't diagnose people on the face of it. For example, we don't say you oh you're so skinny, you have eating disorder. Oh, you're talking so fast, you might have ADHD. It's seen as you know what incidents that seen, might have happened. It's like, seen as yeah. I think I mean it's often seen as you know uh, a bit. You can't diagnose people. It's a basic rule of this generation. No, no, so that hasn't happened but with they me. Might have noticed but but yeah, I, I like like I mentioned um, when I was in Oxford, my friend suggested because we were running around so much. And she just stopped and laughed and said, look, dude, every five minutes you're either running to the washroom or either you're running to get a snack or either you're running to refill your water. Do you think you might have ADHD? But I don't know if it's any funny. It's, it was, when I think about it, it's kind of sad that someone had to like point it out to me um, because they saw me struggling so much um, with, with executive dysfunction. But not really. I don't think I've had a moment where uh, anyone has in humor pointed out that I have ADHD um, maybe because maybe 
and someone who doesn't know that I have but the people who do know that I have ADHD and who themselves suffer with it we often have our in in jokes uh, for example one of my friends lost his laptop one of my friends lost his laptop um when he was traveling for literature fest mm-hmm. and he showed up the next day completely well dressed you know hair gelled <laughs> up the with the you know hair gelled <laughs> up a nehru jacket everything ironed to the to the t and i was just like oh my god dude you you just lost your laptop you had the roughest night ever aren't you worried and he just looked at me he's like look dude i've adhd i've given up these are things that are going to happen to me and if i keep and if i keep stressing about losing things i'm never going to be able to enjoy the life and never going to be able to enjoy my life and i and i think i sort of learned quite a bit from him but i was like yeah losing things etc are going to happen i'm going to mess up but if i keep dwelling on it i'm never going to be able to enjoy life sometimes you've just got to forgive yourself because these are things that are actually quite out of your control yes, um of course. and i think But that was a it's literally brain chemistry it's literally brain chemistry uh, so i'll yeah. end on a, i'll try to end on a funny or maybe interesting anecdote so i have two friends uh, people who have become friends are on office of adhd and most of the weekends i'll let people in on a secret how do we manage it we on friday night when our off starts start to play a game and we play it and we only get up for loo and food <laughs> we play it till sunday night the constant this is like every day or more than 18 hours we don't even sleep like we sleep for like i remember i slept on last weekend for 3 hours i woke up like shit like e- even in my dreams i was dreaming about completing those quests in the game it sounds so stupid and <laughs> counterproductive to normal people but without that i will not be able to you know e- even talk to people outside yeah like i will not be able to function and this is i have learned the hard way because i was diagnosed when i was 39 so like and this is just an example of how people deal with it and i've seen people drive like this i've seen people eat which creates eating disorders i've seen people one person and this was a woman and she specifically told me to mention if it if i could mm. she engrosses gets engrossed so much in reading books that she even sometimes forgets to you know take basic care of her children hmm. and that has created problems in her life so while these things seem funny they, they can be exceptionally hampering to your function yeah well, no, thanks thank I you gurmeher anything you want to leave with our leave with for our listeners like I, my adhd is acting up right now <laughs> anything that i would <laughs> want to leave i just think if you're someone who has adhd um forgive yourself because the i know the whole world is trying to belittle you and demonize you and tell you you're wrong and that you're always messing things up i just want you to know if you have adhd just forgive yourself because it's not your problem it's just brain chemistry and that's how it works and yeah that and, and good luck with and but with people life. need to know about this yeah just i think there needs to be an awareness for sure um definitely get a diagnosis um if you don't have one but i think learning to love yourself and i think learning to forgive yourself is the is number one step of e- even being able to conquer adhd or and i wouldn't say conquer work with adhd yeah yeah and the thing is individual stories can be inspiring you know tragic funny interesting but if you look at it on scale you will find an almost all of us you will not find anyone in in india or parts of the world who will not say that they knew a guy or a girl who were really good who were really energetic but didn't like constant underachievers and they they 
no problem could be identified which hampered their growth in life but had they been diagnosed and you'll find that all of us have people in our lives who have who we've met people like this and if we can you know help this population it will help on scale everyone yeah for sure the thing is i have adhd and i was diagnosed just over a year ago and like any other person who has struggled with a condition all their lives i have a lot to say and the platforms to say it are few and far between also i know how undiagnosed adhd can cause significant setbacks in someone's life which can be helpful for people who don't know much about it basically people with adhd have five times less dopamine receptors in their brains which means that someone with adhd has to feel really good to reach a level which a neurotypical can easily reach by doing everyday tasks and if this is left unchecked it can become a disability a few places where you can find information and resources about adhd are attitudemag.com youtube channel how to adhd and of course a psychologist or a psychiatrist who has experience with adhd sadly there are no formal resources in india and it's the adhd community which can help you find a good doctor or a therapist thank you for listening and do write to us if you have any suggestions inputs about how we can better this podcast remember we are here for you this podcast was supported by google news initiatives news equity fund News laundry is possible because of our paying subscribers. We don't run corporate or government ads. You too can be part of changing the news model. Go to newslaundry.com/subscription. Be a part of the community that pays to keep news independent. For the smoothest news laundry experience, download our app, watch our shows, listen to our podcasts, read our reports, stay informed. Pay for news, protect democracy, save the world.